Today on Locked On, Canadians with Luke Richardson and Sean Burke leaving the organization. What are the Canadians going to do about their coaching staff? Plus, we have our belated mailbag. We have tons of questions, including one about a Muppet lineup. All that's coming up in today's Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to episode 645 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is full of the same thing it's always been full of. Lots of Canadians talk. And right now, as we get nearer to the draft, we start talking about how the Canadians are going to change over next year. But first, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. And we're so grateful to BetOnline for sponsoring the show. And BetOnline always has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts and where Canadians chat starts is right here. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined as always by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And we're very excited because we have a couple of special guests lined up this week and next as we head towards the draft. Yeah, it's uh, just me wearing a mustache and a funny hat, so I hope everyone is ready for that. Um... <laughs> Scott? I don't, don't do want, that. I don't have a fake mustache or a funny hat. So like, <laughs> it's fine. I, my other thought was I was just going to have Maple sit in the chair uh, and just, you know, kind of just stare blankly at the screen for half an hour because mm-hmm. people love pet content. This uh, is true. In we reality, we do love Maple and we love Nala who could not be reached for further comment right now. We do have two um, potential. We do have one confirmed and one that we are working on right now as we head into draft season. They are the some of the best at what they do and we are so so excited to have this opportunity with the draft just over what two weeks a week and a no, half away under week and- a week it's under two weeks it's a, it's a week and a half it's about 10 days from when you are listening to this podcast and just so you know we are recording on wednesday evening with one of them for sure so if you have questions for prospect experts that really know what they're talking about, then please leave us questions. You can email them to us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can leave them in the YouTube comments. But if you're a jerk, like YouTube or me will hide the comment. We will never see it again. So please be nice. You can also ask on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. The DMs for the Twitter are open. You can DM us on uh, at LO underscore Canadians as well. Uh, anywhere you normally send your mailbag questions, p- please feel free to do that. Do that by Wednesday around 5 p.m. By Wednesday around 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, and we will ask as many of the questions that you ask. The only regret that I have is that we've had Scouching on. We've had Tony Ferrari on. And these are amazing people. We had Russ Sportsology on. And these are amazing prospect people. But we didn't solicit the questions from our listeners. We just asked the questions that people thought to ask before we had them on the show. So please... Just ask any questions that you have about this year's draft and the prospects and things like that. Uh, Habs related, Habs related, um, uh, in, in, as soon as you can before 5 p.m. on Wednesday so that we can ask our, our experts about them. In the meantime, we want to talk a little bit about Luke Richardson leaving the organization uh, and becoming a head coach for the first time in the NHL in Chicago. I wish him luck. I wouldn't want that job, uh, but you know what? 
Luke Richardson seems, by all accounts, to be a good person who takes his responsibilities very seriously. He seems to really love coaching and his players love him. They would, you know, run through a wall for him. So I think that, you know, I wish him all of the success. But at the same time, this changes the dynamic of not just the Canadians coaching staff, but the Canadians defense as well. The, the funny part about this is, is that they haven't announced Luke Richardson like officially as the head coach in Chicago. And someone went, maybe they're just waiting for like an opportunity to be like, smoke bomb, here's a new coach and cover and, you know, distract from something else. And I thought it'd be funny if just, you know, the regular season starts and Luke Richardson is just kind of there with no explanation whatsoever. Um, it's a tough loss in terms of like a guy to communicate with the players and who is there to connect with them because like we've said he by all accounts is very good at that that's what he was best at he was a very good communicator a lot like Kirk Muller was between the head coach and the players were the systems as good as they could have been no but last year admittedly at the end of the year when things were really bad they were playing with a not really big NHL defense there uh, and I sat down with Jack of Lockdown uh, Chicago Blackhawks a couple of weeks ago when the rumors first came out and we talked about this and my thought is He's going to be very good for a rebuilding team and that he can communicate with players what he expects and what they need done and everything. I don't know if he's a long-term solution, but I do think in the meantime, getting a team back on track, one who wants to win. Uh, Chicago has a very good hand in uh, Luke Richards in there. I'm going to miss him because his charitable work for you know his, his daughter and everything that he did, he was a very well-liked, well-respected person. I... None of my issues with Luke Richardson come from him, the person, like they did with like Michelle Terrian, who I did not think was a very good coach or a very, you know, proper person to coach this team. Luke Richardson is a fantastic person, and I am going to, I am sad to see him leave. When he comes back, when Chicago plays in Montreal at some point this year, I assume he's going to get a very large standing ovation. The players are going to be happy to see him again. And he's not the only departure from the team. And admittedly myself uh i didn't know sean burke still worked for the montreal canadians because he was put as the director of goaltending and then no one told us what that was there were no additions there weren't you know other coaches video coaches it's just hi i am the director of goaltending and that's it uh he's off to join vegas in the same role which we're still not really sure what that means for the canadians in that Sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know really, really what to say about a guy I thought I didn't even know was still with the organization at this point. Cause he was part of team Canada and then he was back with the Habs, but then he was a scout under Kent. He, I don't know. I, like I said, I didn't even know Sean Burke still worked for the Canadians at this point. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we got asked a mailbag question about that and we found out that he was scouting for the Habs at that point. Um, I don't, I don't know what he did. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, if, if you leave, let's say like when, when a weight was relieved of his duty, well, you could say like the hallmark of his time in Montreal was Carey Price's improvement from being shaky or when he came back from injury, he really, you know, Carey Price credits him for the best years of his career. So you could say that, right? Like when the skills coach, whenever, you know, I don't even think he needs to depart. I, I would say after a couple of years with the players, you can kind of tell, right, what he improved, particularly with the young players. So if he were to leave, or even if we were to do an assessment at that time, we could say, this is what 
that skills skills coach brought. You know, when the Canadians hire a new defensive coach, assuming this whole Luke Richardson thing gets confirmed eventually, um, you know, we can say that the defensive style or the penalty kill or whatever improved or or got worse under him. You know, it's it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be improvement. I'm just saying, like, you could put you could talk about the mark on a team after somebody departs, right? When Marty St. Louis is done with the Habs or done with coaching, I don't know. You, you'll be able to tell, you know, he did all of these things, particularly with his young forwards. But with Sean Burke, first of all, that hire was done in such a weird way, in the Mark Bergevin way. And then, tellingly, it did work with Jake Allen and Carey Price last year. Uh, although, I don't know if it was Eric Raymond or Sean Burke that was behind that. And then... Uh, he's gone now. Like we couldn't tell, like, I, I truly can't tell what mark he made on this organization. So I don't think that the Canadians were too fussed about, you know, other teams wanting to talk to him and uh, him leaving to the Vegas golden Knights. Like that's basically all I have to say about Sean Burke. Yeah. Like my parting thought is he came in after they like fired, um, Stefan, Stefan Wait at like 11 PM at night. Like, yeah, it, the whole situation's weird. We never got clarity on what he did and it's like, okay, it is what it is. Like I, I, we don't have much to say on that, and that it's you know just someone else. Kent Hughes has to replace. We will see who Martin St. Louis brings in for the defensive coach. Um, there's obviously a number of people out there. Rick Bonus was someone that they mentioned might be an op, uh, an option to help you know be a veteran presence on that bench because it is Trevor Latowski who's you know new to the NHL. Alex Burrows and Martin St. Louis, none of them are considered experienced bench people. So. We will keep an eye on that. And obviously once a hire is made, we will have the news here for you and we will break all that down. So, Yes. And in the meantime, we are going to get to our mailbag questions. Thank you so much for sending sending them, even though we are a day late because we had some special bonus episodes. Uh, but first, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL Finals, which might be over by the time you're listening to this, and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Scott, we have a packed mailbag, even though we were delayed and we were kind of quiet about it on the socials. We didn't really remind people, and pe- pe- but people did come through when we finally put out the call. Yeah, it, admittedly, it's because we did have two special episodes last week, uh, one with Chase Coward, which came out on Friday. And then on Saturday, we released our episode with Wyatt Wilson, defenseman for the Victoria Royals. Uh, both guys were absolutely fantastic. Wyatt is, you know... Just he's a delight. And Chase, uh, you know, finally gave us some insight into why are goalies the way that they are. And the phone comes from Jeremy here. Who do you think will be on the first line along with Suzuki and Caulfield next season? And a follow up. Could it be someone that the Habs could acquire trade or free agency? And if so, who are some likely targets? I personally think that I wouldn't go for free agency or trade at this point for that line because you've got a couple of options obviously there's josh anderson unless he gets traded away and then you know we talked about that josh anderson thing because he distracts people or people are usually focusing on caulfield and suzuki and he's able to crash the net he's able to be a physical presence it's very very cute the way he kind of protects 
the other two on the line. Um, I call it cute. You know, a lot of people call it like, you know, being a good team member, whatever. Uh, so there is that option. I also think that when you're looking at uh, skill players, you should look from within and start to push. You're not going to contend next year, but you've got a couple of really really good promising players so let's assume that they draft a center let's say they, they let's assume they draft chain right and that's that's going to be that he's going to be another center your suzuki and caulfield line uh can have anybody on there because then you're going to have another second line that the opponents are going to have to uh contend with so for me i don't I don't necessarily see them going outside the organization. I see them looking a lot closer to home. And Scott, you know the name that I'm going to say. Do I? Laval Rocket. Very skilled. Oh, they're going to go with Jesse Alonen. Yes. (laughs) So it's funny is that I look at this and my thought was, um, my thought was that Genny Dodonov will play there at some point this season because he's the safe option. It's... It's a spot up for grabs right now. And that's the biggest thing because Dodonov can play in the middle six, no problem. Dvorak will be there. Brendan Gallagher will be there. Rafael Harvey-Pernard will probably be there. Jesse Alonen is a guy that I think could make the jump. And it's funny as we have a question here uh, from uh, JF underscore 718, which says, which Laval Rocket is likely to spend a long time in the big club next season? And who should stay in the AHL or juniors one more year? And the Rocket this year, a guy like Jesse Alonen and Rafael Harvey-Pinard, I think are going to get real long looks. They might go down to the AHL for a little bit from time to time, but they're going to get every chance they can to prove that they earned this spot here. I think Harvey-Pinard will stick. When they say he's Brendan gallagher light. They, they mean it. He's exactly like Brendan Gallagher. And I forget... Um, which player on the Rocket was discussing it that because they had played? It was Devonte Smith Pelly who had played with Gallagher when uh, he was in Montreal originally, and he said he's a more skilled version of that. And when you consider Brendan Gallagher put up big numbers in junior and has been a solid NHL producer, it bodes well. Uh, I I'd be very interested to see Jesse Alonen on that line full time. That's a lot of speed, a lot of skill. Maybe not perfect defensively, but. It's exciting. When you say close to home, I'm like, are we signing David Perron? Like, what are we doing? That was no, where my just, mind went. <laughs> I know. I just, I wanted to see if you were following my train of thought because I was very admittedly rambling. But basically what I meant to say was why go outside when you can develop inside? But on the flip side, the other part of that question is who should stay in the juniors or age a little longer? I personally think, and people are going to get mad at this, I think Gouli should spend the year in Laval. I the, the hardest part about this is that Caden Gooley is both probably the most NHL ready and also the one they need to be the most careful with in terms of defensemen. I think Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley have very good shots at making the NHL next year. And same with Justin Barron. It's a very crowded space though. Cause we forget Otto Leskinen is back. He's going to have a shot there. Chris Weidman is here. He has a shot at that. I assume they're going to try and bring back Xavier Willette and Sammy Niku if they want to. There's, you know, guys battling for spots. It's going to get crowded with all these names here. And that's not a bad thing. And the biggest thing is don't panic if one of the young defensive prospects starts the year in the AHL. It's all a numbers game. Guys are going to get traded. Guys are going to get moved. And my thought is I know people want Joshua Wan in the NHL lineup. And I think they will give him that opportunity to impress in the preseason 
And if he doesn't, you know, you know what? Okay, you go back to junior then and you go work on another part of your game or continue to develop it. Maybe he doesn't score 117 points this season, but at the same time, go work on, you know, some of your defensive play or work on, you know, this asset of your game and facet of that and then make the jump next year. And I think that's okay. I don't think Radley Kidney is going to make that jump. Uh, Xavier Simino is probably going to spend the year in the AHL. He's going to go the Harvey Pinard path, I think. AHL contract while they have his rights and then sign an entry-level deal after that. So it, it's tough because the AHL team is going to look so different than it did this year just based on the on of prospects coming in. Uh, we do have uh, one more question, but I think before we jump into our third segment is if you could have the Habs play a game against the Muppets, who would be your ideal Muppet lineup? Oh my god. Okay, so is Gonzo a Muppet? Yes, is Gonzo? Gonzo is a Muppet. Okay, Gonzo is your Brendan Gallagher, right? So that's one wing taken care of. Uh, Kermit putting... the Frog's like Wayne Gretzky, basically. Like he's that he's the tall, skinny dude who makes things happen. So he's your starting center. Okay. Uh, uh, you have who... Animal and Net because goalies are weird. All right, Miss Piggy needs a role on this team. Miss Piggy's the enforcer defenseman. Like, what's going to happen is someone's going to touch Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy's going to come flying off the bench like she's David Clarkson and just start pummeling people. She's the enforcer defenseman on this team. Who's the skill defenseman? Fozzie Bear. Okay. And on the other wing is Rizzo the the Rat. All right. I'm going to go with what you said because all I wanted was for Miss Piggy to have a role on this team. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got a bunch more questions. Thank you to Blaine for that one. We've got a bunch more questions coming up uh, in just a moment. All right, Scott, what other questions do we have in the mailbag? Uh, from Trevor Cassidy, one reason why I think the Habs should take right is that he won't be in a star elite center. As a 60 to 70 point producer, he won't make 10 plus million dollars, and that will free the Habs to spend elsewhere. The reverse Toronto on quality line mates. Thoughts? My... I think it's, it's look, here's my thought, okay, is okay. I think that it's a great thought and it's a great idea. But I have this this feeling that if they take Shane Wright, he won't be a cheap center once his entry-level deal is up. That's that's my feeling. Here's the thing. You still have to pay for quality centers. Like, if Patrice Bergeron isn't a 90-point center anymore. Patrice right. Bergeron is still the best defensive player in the NHL, and he could easily be worth that amount of money. I don't think he'll top the double digits unless the offense comes with him. And who knows? It might because we've talked to a number of scouts, scouting and everyone else that his offensive game is good. It's just not as flashy as others. I still think he's going to top out as a guy that makes eight, eight and a half. If he, if all, you know, comes true here, the a biggest Nick Suzuki thing, contract, I think he's going to get a Nick Suzuki contract. Absolutely. Once he proves that he's, you know, has earned that absolutely. He will get that contract. And Saving a few million dollars is not the worst thing in the world, honestly. Like, it, it does allow you to, hey, maybe we can spend a little more on a third-line center who isn't, you know, a fourth-liner from another team and other things. So I do think that's the right thought process. The biggest thing is Caulfield's going to need to get paid very much because he's proving to be worth that money. You have, obviously, Nick Suzuki who has his contract, but what do you do with other guys who are coming up? And all those defensemen that we keep praising, all of those guys are going to need contracts too. The good news is they can bridge a lot of those guys and figure out who's worth who and who in that. But it's, it's a very delicate balancing act. So um, this is a question from Instagram of everything. 
Uh, on the topic of center depth with the Habs, no one talks about Ryan Paling, whom I feel Melta made a big leap in developing into a solid two-way center. He was gritty, fast, creative, and defensively better. And once Dvorak got healthy, I saw the player I loved watching as a London Knight, the creative playmaker that made Marner and Kachuk better players, especially under Martin St. Louis. And after listening to your episode about picking a solid center later in the draft and taking Slavkovsky first, I think the Habs could have Dvorak, Paling, and even Evans hold it down for another couple of years while looking through the rest of this 20 draft in 2023 for center depth. I'm glad he mentioned Paling because he's the, he's the lost man in the shuffle here. We have forgotten to mention him a bunch of times when it comes to center depth. And it's true, he did he did take a huge step forward this season. I, I think people forget because we've talked about this how many times that people get skewed because they remember his four goal game. And that Ryan Paling was, you know, meant to be a Lars Eller level replacement, not a Nick Suzuki type. He's a very capable center in that. And I'm very interested to see what he does this year and if they keep him because the development's there. He's a smarter player than he was originally. It's just he either the team can't stay healthy, he gets injured, and there's just the consistency is hard there. Um I do like that idea, though, like we talked about, where if they pick Slavkovsky, pick centers later in the draft there. I'd be very curious to see what they do with that, though. And I do feel bad that we have kind of like glossed over Ryan Paling a lot on this show. Well, this is the thing. And, and like my instinct is that either he or Dvorak gets traded. I don't see them trading Jake Evans. And I don't see them trading Nick Suzuki, obviously. And if they pick Shane Wright, I don't see them trading Shane Wright. At least not for a while. So, you know, out of those guys, somebody's going to go. And I think it's going to be Paling or Dvorak. And it's very likely to be Dvorak because he fetches more value. But you never know with Ryan Paling. I don't know. I, I think that he's taken huge strides this season. But it's exactly like you said. He is a Lars Eller player. And Lars Eller, listen, he scored a cup-winning goal. So, you know, not to not not to um, discount Ryan Paling's value, I'm just saying. Uh, this one comes from the YouTube comments from John Paul Murray. It says, hi, Scott. Minchikov is another left-handed D. If the Habs can get the second overall pick, should they not target one of Juracek or Nemitz instead to address a massive organizational need? And yeah, if you get the second overall pick, you absolutely you absolutely take one of the two best defensemen in the draft. That's absolutely totally fine. If they want to pick Slavkovsky with the second overall pick, that's probably fine too. Uh, it's what are you, you got to get the second overall first? Exactly, and that's the part that kind of you know leaves me sketched a little bit. Um, if not, who among our prospect pool will play on their offside? I think both Gooley and Harris can play offside. They're smart enough to make it work. Um, how would you rank the demon in this draft one through five? Um, we talked with Russ Cohen about this. We've talked with scouting. We've talked with Tony Ferrari and uh, even Byron Bader. It's Juracek, Nemitz, Mintikov, Matechuk, and then one of Lane Hudson or uh, Seamus Casey has come up a lot. Uh, Kelly Odilius. It's after you get out of that, uh, that four group that it's all up for uh, debate, depending on what you are looking for. Can we please just talk about Lane Hudson for a second? I don't know if we mentioned this, but he showed up to the draft. This is legendary with a doctor's note that says that he could still grow. I, you know what? I, I respect it. it. I, I respect admire the balls. It. Like I, you know what? <laughs> I think people should draft him based on that, that confidence. <laughs> I was going to say that, that takes, that takes a little bit of swagger to show up and do that. So uh, one final part, this is a four part question. If we did get the second overall and intended to draft Juracek or Nemitz, 
Could you imagine a situation where a team would offer any of picks three through five in exchange for that number two pick? My assumption is that team would trade up to get Slavkovsky or Cooley and that one of the two demon will safely be available at five or six. I think so. I think a D-man will be available at five or six. But again, this is like a lot of hypotheticals. I was going to say, and the thing is, this requires NHL GMs to not be cowards and actually make that many trades. If the Habs trade and get the second overall pick and then another team tries to trade for the second overall pick, it would be like earth shattering considering the way NHL GMs handle things. One of those trades is stunning. Two of them is like, whoa, man. Whoa. Like that's meanwhile, the NBA is like, we traded like a pick in seven years for like, a first round pick this year and some guy who's been playing since 2004 uh, and we're going to win the championship this year. And people just go, ah, yeah, that's neat. Just another day. So um, one more YouTube question from Chenandler bong 76, two questions for the mailbag. What will you do for the 666th episode? And what will you do if this YouTube channel becomes as big as the hockey guy? Okay. So if we, for the 666, sixth episode i think we should do a special guest because we've done food stunts now or we owe food stunts for uh multiple things one is getting to 500 one is getting to 500 episodes one is getting no we did the 500 episodes one uh one is getting to a thousand there's a video somewhere scott that you did i can't even remember what it was for but it's a video that we still haven't posted um yeah, that and... was the 100 YouTube subscribers where I ate the land, sea, and air from McDonald's, where we drove to McDonald's in a blizzard to get this. <laughs> right. So there's a video out there. Uh, we have to put it up. Um, and so I think for 666, we should get a special guest and we'll work on that in the next couple of weeks because it's coming up soon. I was going to say, and if people wanted a food stunt, I'll buy one of the Pocky One Chip Challenge chips since it's like hell or something. I don't know. People it's like to watch me. I've done yeah. it once. It was terrible. I drank a half gallon of milk to settle the heat in my mouth. It was not mm-hmm. fun. And if our channel ever becomes as big as, I don't know if it ever will, but if it ever did become as big as that, uh, I don't know. I would I would start buying people presents, really. I was going to say, I would try my best to not let it go to my head, but I would definitely be like Homer with a gold house um, level of like arrogant for a little bit until I'm brought back down to earth by everyone who actually understands that I'm not like this. So <laughs> um, speaking of people who are arrogant and are definitely like this, we have our nemesis questions of the week. And who do you, from Will, who do you think you are doing Thursday antics on a Sunday? So this was in response to me posting a Thursday, what I usually post on Thursday, the reminder to send in mailbag questions. So obviously that was aimed at me. I am the co-host of Locked On Canadians, Will, and we are having a mailbag episode on a Monday. That is who I think I am when I'm posting that out there. To to quote a famous bowler, who do you think you are? I am. So he has one more question. What's the right number of coffee mugs for a single person who lives alone to own? And how many would you consider a potential red flag? I think... It depends, though, okay? Because, like, some people collect mugs and some people don't. And then sometimes people just buy you mugs, right? Like, mugs as gifts. Uh, I saw this, thought of you kind of thing. I personally have, I counted when I saw this question, I have 40 mugs. Four, zero. So that seems like a lot. 
Um, I usually just use like the same three or four and then toss them in the dishwasher. <laughs> uh, I like decorative mugs. I like having souvenir mugs. If somebody buys me a mug as a gift, I'm always like, I'm never going to throw this one away. I do have tons and tons of mugs uh, and they're all varied shapes and sizes. I do like them. So personally for me, I don't think there should be a limit, particularly if you have a collection. But if you're just like a person who wants to live a practical minimalist life, I think you need four or six mugs get a collection of four or six depending on how often you run your dishwasher uh as someone whose girlfriend has a rack drilled into the uh wall in our kitchen uh any amount is fine um we tend to add a mug every time we travel somewhere and like magnets for the fridge and stuff and will if you don't like that i uh, you could take them with carly she's a lawyer and is probably more than happy to argue with you on the She's internet also or twice Will's height. <laughs> yes, she is very willing to argue with you on the internet or in person if it came to that. So, um, <laughs> I don't think it's weird. Coffee mugs are fun. What if you have a lot of guests over and you're serving dessert? You want to make sure you have enough mugs because no one wants coffee served in a David Ortiz collectible cup that you got at Fenway Park. So, this is true. And my thing is, like, it's a red flag if, like, the mugs have, like, fingers severed fingers or eyes in there <laughs> like that's a red flag. that's a serial killer thing but if you just have a lot of mugs because people love you and buy you mugs like i don't think there's anything wrong with that no absolutely not like i love gifts i will always love gifts don't be just yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine we're all fine. All right. So this is our Monday mailbag episode. Uh, hopefully, oh no, actually we'll be back to our mailbag on Friday, but make sure you send us draft and prospect questions. You can send them to us at LO underscore Canadians. You can send them to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments. And for all of them, uh, if I don't acknowledge receipt by either liking the tweet or responding that I added to the mailbag, please send it again. We're getting so many uh, comments and comments commenters lately we love that we're so so excited to be part of the community but sometimes some messages get lost so please re-up the message if i do not acknowledge it uh, in the meantime please check out this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well as on youtube draft week is coming up we're very very excited um and we hope that uh you know our coverage you 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 like our coverage leading up to and until and after the draft not until after the draft um and you can find scott on twitter at scott matla you'll find me at the active stick once you're done checking out this podcast please check out lockdown nhl where they have covered the stanley cup finals and will now turn their attention to the nhl draft five days a week just like us wherever you get your podcasts let's see you tomorrow <laughs>